If this gentleman in this example was not happy with his job, what's one thing that we can do today to move towards happiness? There's no fulfillment there. There's no fulfillment in the things that you're doing, so you don't even feel like you're living a life on purpose. You feel like you're just living a life, and you have to disconnect from that. If you're listening to this, break your life into three categories, health, wealth, and love. What is three things that you can do every day that will take you closer to your dreams? Welcome to the Superhuman Life. I'm your host, Frank Rich, and this is the only podcast in the world dedicated to helping men break free from the shackles of addiction through the power of faith and fitness. It is our goal with every episode to help you take back control and rebuild your body, mind, and spirit. And we do so by bringing you real and raw conversations with people just like you, aiming to find their place in this world while dealing with the everyday struggles and battles that we all face. Now, it is my belief that we were all created for a specific purpose. And if we can harness that belief or faith, then take control of our mind and body or fitness, then we can ultimately create the life that we've always dreamed about, our own superhuman life. I want to let you know how grateful and blessed I am to have you here with me today. Let's get on to today's show. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another amazing episode of The Superhuman Life. As always, I am your host, Frank Rich, and I'm just incredibly fired up to have you here with me today to be a part of this conversation that is just going to impact you in so many ways and hopefully change your perspective and possibly change some of your guys' lives. I think so many of us, whether we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, we're, we're scared to pivot. We buy into this belief that the path that we're on that the job that we're in, that the relationship that we're in, that the status of our life that is the current situation is it. It's all that we have in this world. And the, the fear of pivoting, the fear of changing directions, the fear of giving up on something because it doesn't feel right to pursue something greater. I feel so many of us get wrapped up in that false belief that we can't jump out of the airplane without having the parachute in our backpack. A lot of you guys will, will know what I mean when I say that, but that's really what we're going to get into with today's conversation and, and today's guest. It's really a remarkable story of transformation, a remarkable story of growth, of personal development, of becoming the greatest version of yourselves. I know that's a word that gets thrown around a lot. Here on this show, I try to stay away from it as much as possible, but it is something that you just can't get around. And that's what we're really going to talk about today is how can you unlock your own inner greatness? How can you find your true passion, your true calling and step out of that fear into the life that you were created and you were designed to live? So my guest is a professional speaker and podcast coach. He also is the co-host of Next Level University, which was formerly known as the Hyperconscious Podcast. He is a podcast coach, a business coach, a professional speaker. And just somebody that's all about becoming better in every possible way. My guest today is Kevin Palmieri, host of the Next Level University. And what Kevin and I really get into, it's really his story. It's unpacking his journey that took him from a moment of suicidal thoughts and depression. And although on the outside, it felt like he had 
the life that everybody dreamed of having, how it was in these moments, it was his inner darkness and inner fears that he had to face and step through to create the life that he lives now, running multiple business with his co-host, has an incredible relationship. He talks a lot about his relationship in this podcast as well. And we just unpack his journey and talk about how you, if you're feeling in similar places or in similar moments in life, how you can use some of the strategies and tactics that he's developed over time and have been successful for him and all of our guests. I think there's going to be some consistency in what Kevin shares here with every guest that we've had on this podcast. And that's why I love having all of these shows. I love doing these on a weekly basis because I get to meet and connect with people that I never would have met had I not had this podcast. So I'm extremely grateful to be able to share this conversation today with you. So without further ado, from suicidal to next level university with Kevin Palmieri. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Kevin, my brother, welcome to the Superman Life. How's it going? It's going well, Frank. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm looking forward to diving deep and uh, seeing where we end up because I don't know where we're going to go. We never know where we're going to go. That's really, that's when I started this back in July of last year. I think I said it on the first podcast. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what this is going to lead to, but I'm going to do it. And that's, I think, what we're going to jump into today, is t- today as well. You know, I wanted to start with a, with a Tony Robbins quote. I'm a huge Tony fan. I know you probably are too, as well, being the space that you work in. But he has this quote that he shared. He's not really super well known for it, but it's one that I think ties into your, to your story. It's most people overestimate what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in two or three decades. And why I think that's so powerful and connects to what you and I are going to get into is I know just a handful of years, like you were completely different. A handful of years ago, you were a completely different person, different path of life, different goals, different visions, different everything. And now you have this incredible podcast, close to 500 episodes, multiple businesses with your partner. I'm going to get to to all that stuff. But I want to go back a few years to the beginning of this journey that you've been on. Let's take people through that story of the bodybuilding and, and, and the girlfriend and what kind of opened up this whole new world for you with what you're doing now. So take us back there a couple of years ago and one of those pivotal points. Sure. Story. Yeah. So I always talk about this during my speeches. Number one, I want, if you're watching me, if you're listening to me, I want you to understand that because I am here, it actually means you can be here as well. Again, like I was always the guy who would see the podcaster or see the speaker and be like, oh, I can never be on stage. Because I am, you can, because I thought the same exact way as as you did. So in 2015, like Frank alluded to, I was a completely different person. So I had the body of my dreams. I had just done a bodybuilding show. I was very lean, very muscular. I had a beautiful girlfriend. She was literally a model. I had a high paying job, anywhere from 70 to $100 an hour. I had a sports car. I had a new apartment. I had great friends. From the outside looking in, I was living the dream life, like a 25-year-old living the dream life. But I wasn't happy. I wasn't as happy as everybody thought I was, but I didn't really realize it because that was normal for me. So after my bodybuilding show, and Frank, I'm sure you can talk about this, my emotions were everywhere. My hormones were everywhere. I was depressed. I was insecure. I was in like a bad place and I wasn't being a great boyfriend. I wasn't bad, but I wasn't the man that I said I was going to be to this young lady. And she ended up leaving me. To this day, we're on good terms. And I think this is the best thing she ever did. Genuinely, she deserved better than who I was at the time. But when she left me, I had to take a look in the mirror for the first time and realize you're not confident, you're super insecure, and you put all of your external value into your body and into the things you can buy. 
and how hot your girlfriend is. And that was painful for me. That was like really painful. I'm living in this nice two bedroom, two bathroom apartment by myself. My bills just doubled because my girlfriend and I were splitting them. Work slowed down. So I was like, this is, this was rock bottom for me. Now, unfortunately, my rock bottom story has a basement, but this is my initial rock bottom. So she leaves me and I have all of these, you know, realizations. So this is my first dip into personal development. Like I started doing positive affirmations. I started watching positive videos every night before I went to bed. I used to say, I am handsome. I am intelligent. I am worthy. And this year I'm going to make the most money that I've ever made my entire life. Now, unfortunately, Frank, I leaned on that last one a little bit too much. So 2016 starts and I was a foreman for a construction company. We traveled up and down the East coast of the United States working on state and government buildings. I got promoted to a foreman in 2016. And the best way I can explain it is my life was like a rock star life without any of the rock star benefits. So I lived in Massachusetts and we worked predominantly in New Jersey. Okay. So that's like anywhere from four and a half to six hour drive, depending on where you are. Every single week I was on the road every single week, crusty hotel to crusty hotel, working three to 11, then driving five hours home, hitting the gym at 4am. Cause that's the only time I had, like, it was awesome. Cause I was making really good money. So we get to the end of the year, the end of 2016, I'm sitting at my kitchen table, similar to the table I'm sitting at here. And I open up, I'm getting ready to open up my pay stub. And my goal was to make six figures at 26 years old with no college degree before any of my friends. And I did, I opened that pay stub and I was on the road for 10 out of those 12 months. And I made the six figures that I wanted so badly. When I opened this pay stub, I realized that nothing changed. I was still insecure. I was still miserable. I still didn't have any confidence. So that night I went to bed, I was laying in bed and thinking to myself, it doesn't matter the car, the girlfriend, the body, what you did today, what you're doing tomorrow, what's in your wallet. What matters is up here. What matters is in your head, right? Your confidence, your reflection, the way you feel, the way you think about yourself. So I started a podcast called Hyperconscious, which we have since rebranded. But for most of my life, I lived unconsciously. So to me, hyperconscious was the polar opposite. And that's what I wanted to be. That's what I looked up to. That's what I respected. So the start of 2017, I start this podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast, all about talking about deep stuff like we're going to do today. I want to know about your fears. I want to know about your insecurities. I want to know about your habits, your childhood, your traumas. I want to know about all that stuff. But my year started out very similar to the year prior where I'm on the road every single week. And the thing that brought me so much money and made me feel valuable, now took away from my dreams directly. It's very hard as to be a consistent podcaster, never mind when you're in a work van seven hours a day driving, right? That's just not, it's not feasible. So for the first time in my life, I found like I, I located something that I enjoyed doing. I loved podcasting, but now I'm getting taken away every day, every week for work. And it just kept getting worse and worse. Like I would call out of work. I would leave the job early. The people that were working under me were miserable because I was leaving five, six, $700 on the table some days because I just didn't want to work. And if I didn't work, they couldn't either. I literally would have to be in New Jersey at seven in the morning. I would sleep in my bed in Massachusetts from 10 p.m. till 2 a.m. I'd wake up and drive four and a half hours straight to the job site just so I could sleep in my bed for three or four hours. And on Friday, I did the opposite. I always drove home the night after we finished working. It didn't matter what time it was. I drove straight home from Virginia. 14 hours after working an eight hour day. Cause that's how miserable I was. So it got so bad 
and this is the day, this is my rock bottom basement moment. This is the day that changed my life forever in the best ways and in, in rough ways also. We're in a crusty hotel room in New Jersey and it's a cold winter morning and I'm sitting at the edge of the hotel bed and I'm lacing up these work boots and I've done this hundreds of times before. And the best way I can explain it is there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time. and Every single one of them was on a different channel. One of them saying, you're stuck here. One of them is saying, you're never going to be able to make this kind of money again. What will your friends think? What will your parents think? Do you really think you can get another good job? Like you're stuck here. And the biggest, most loud voice was saying, do you really think you could become a successful podcaster? What makes you think you could do that? And I'm here sitting at the edge of the bed. Nobody knows where I am. I'm five hours away from anybody who loves me. And I genuinely felt in that moment that the best thing for me to do would be to end my life. Because if I ended my life, I ended my parents' life. Uh, sorry, I ended my, the life of all this pain I had. But I'm thinking about my parents and I'm thinking about my friends and I have a tattoo on my arm that says never quit. So imagine the ambulance and the EMTs pulling up and seeing a kid with a tattoo that says never quit dead. That's what I was there before. Yeah, that was, this is, this has been my motto for a long time. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm still here because I have such respect for resilience. I love people who are resilient and I've always wanted to be resilient. And that's always been one of my superpowers. And I think I lost that in that moment. Now, I didn't kill myself clearly because I'm here. I texted my friend and the, the second host of the show, Alan, and I just told him, I said, hey man, I'm struggling. I'm dealing with some stuff. I feel stuck. I'm having some really bad thoughts. Uh, and he was there for me. He was there to talk me off of the ledge. He was there to put air into my sails and just give me the certainty and the support and the freedom to express myself. I left that job three or four months later. I went full-time into podcasting, uh, full-time into speaking, full-time into coaching. Now we have several businesses and that day was one of the hardest days of my life. I'll never forget that. But I also realized in that moment that I, I need to be the person that I needed. Like when people DM me, I have to DM them back. It's not, I have to be there for the people that need me. I should have been there for the, the times that I needed myself. And now my life is completely different. Again, there's still days that suck. There are still days that suck. There are days that are hard. Not every day is a day of paradise, but my life is so much different than it was five years ago. I hadn't ever read a book. Like I never read a personal development book. I thought Tony Robbins was a cult leader. That's how off the reservation I thought all this was. Personal development to me, it didn't matter. I didn't care about it. And now it literally is my everyday life. I do it every single day. I haven't missed a day in the last four years. Yeah, that's amazing. So much I'm on a, I want to I wanna get to with the tips and strategies and things that you've used to really pull yourself out that we can you know, pass along. A few things I want to unpack in, in your story there. Who are you, who are you growing up? And, and, and here's why I, I ask that question, because you talked about that moment where you had the dream body, like the thing that you worked so hard for. I'm sure it was 16, 20 weeks of preparation with years of training leading up to that. But you still at that moment, you had the body, the girlfriend, the car, the job, you still felt unsatisfied. And I relate so much to that. And I know so many people in the fitness world as well, the bodybuilding community. It's we seek out this physical transformation uh, with the dream of it transforming our lives. But when we don't do the inner work, we're left there with a body that we're happy of, but it's almost like the inside is even more broken. So when I asked about who were you growing up, what was the driver behind bodybuilding, behind competing for you? I think a lot of it was following in my dad's footsteps. My mom always yeah. used to tell me that my dad, who, and I at this point had never met my dad. So that's where like the story gets weird. But my dad was like a massive human being. Like she used to say, 
if you painted him green, he would be the Incredible Hulk. Like he was Lou Ferrigno big. And I inherited that. But it's interesting when you inherit something from somebody you don't even know. And this person that you're supposed to love and look up to, I was the kid who was pissed off that he didn't know his father, that his father walked out on him. That's who I was. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I felt like I didn't, I wasn't a man because I didn't have any mentors in my life. Like I was a pretty angry kid. And when I figured out like how to get rid of that and release that, I think that I thought I'd be happy. But I, like you said, I never did any of the inner work. I tried to hate on my father less, but I never focused on loving myself more. And those are two completely separate things. And I had never meditated. I had never done any gratitudes. I had never done any journaling. So I think for me, it was a kid who thought the results would bring him happiness, genuinely. Wow, yeah. So closely tied into a very recent episode we, we had where we talked with Josiah. But yeah, I know for me, I pursued bodybuilding from, from a young age, not just competing, but bodybuilding for what it meant to me because I was insecure from growing up like out of shape, unconfident. So I didn't have anybody in my family that was like a model of what a male should look like. So I sought out the superheroes, the professional wrestlers, or the, the bodybuilder. I was like, oh, wow, these guys, like they have the physique and then they get the girl like, oh, so that must be the thing. But yeah, there were a handful of moments, like literally standing there. I don't, you can see the trophies here behind me. I'd be winning a show competing like the night after, like the next day you look your best ever doing photo shoot. And literally, like you said, like the lowest point of, of my life many times came in around those shows. So I'm just always fascinated with what drove people. So it sounds like it, it wasn't even like you saw like a possible future in bodybuilding. It was like, I have these genetics, but I'm more going to be like angry at my dad and use this as a way to yeah, get back. I, I didn't even want to do it. Somebody walk up, walked up to me in the gym and said, Hey, you should do a bodybuilding show. And I was like, Oh, you think I'd be good? And they're like, yeah, you're jacked. And it was like, yeah, I don't, I like food. I like pizza. I want to be able to, and I got, I ended up meeting uh, a really good coach. I don't know if Justin Randall, but he's like, he's up and coming in the bodybuilding world. Great coach, great guy. And he was like, Kevin, you can win this. Like you could do some real damage if you set your mind to it. And I think I wanted to, I think I found in my mind a place where I fit in because like in the gym, you know how it is. There are people who are savages and there are people who aren't like, I'm a savage. I want to get under the heavy weight. I want to do the reckless things. And I got respect for that. And I got credit for that. And seeing my coach put up my pictures on his page for what progress looks like that I value that so much. And I love the fact that somebody just told me what to do. Eat this, weigh yourself and take pictures. Like, all right, cool. I can do that. Like, that's fine. But I've always been in shape. I've all, I was accused of steroids when I was in high school by, you know, the other baseball teams that we played. Like I've always been in, in better shape than most. So for me, it was like, it seemed like the next logical step. And I only did one show and I was like, look, this is not for me. This is not my, my lifestyle. So bodybuilding never again, or it just doesn't fit in the season that you're in Never right again. now. Never again. Never again. Okay. So follow up to, to that then. What if any principles or, or mindset, like what did you take from that one prep that's carried over into what you're doing now? I think this can be very valuable for yeah. people. I would say delayed gratification. And this is the beautiful thing. I, this bodybuilding prep I did was through my birthday, my girlfriend's birthday, two weddings, and the 4th of July. Now, I didn't cheat a single time on my diet except for one time. On the 4th of July, I had a couple handfuls of peanut M&Ms, and I literally texted my coach and said, hey, I screwed up. And he said, Kevin, I would literally drop you if, number one, you didn't tell me that, and number two, I knew that you're not going to cheat the rest of your diet. 
delaying gratification was so important because it made me realize, look, if I cheat on whatever it is, if it's your diet, that's one thing. But if it's your, you're not doing the thing that's going to move your business forward. Guess what? Not only are you screwing up the people that you want to help, but you're really selling yourself short. You're really only hurting yourself at the end of the day. So for me, being an entrepreneur, if you cannot delay gratification, you are in trouble because it, again, I didn't make a dollar from this podcast for like two years of grinding, two years of learning, two years of honing my craft and coaching and all this stuff. Like I didn't make a dollar. If I didn't love this, I would have left a long time ago. I would have been like the majority of people who last seven episodes and they say, yeah, you know what? The money just wasn't there. Okay. I understand. I've been there. So yeah, delayed gratification for me is that is a giant lesson. Yeah. That's like stopping a bodybuilding prep after seven workouts and just being like, I'm not in shape yet. It's just it's not going to be. I say this all the time. I think bodybuilding, it's in, in terms of building discipline, building willpower, building delayed gratification. I don't think there's anything that any person can sign up for that's going to mold you and shape you with these you know, virtues and these characteristics. It literally is the only thing in the world that you willingly sign up for to put yourself through misery and pain. Because I don't care who is out there, who you're coaching. If you're going to get absolutely shredded, peeled to the bone, diced to get on stage, you will suffer. You will have to go through discomfort. Now there's ways about going it through an intelligent way, which will be less discomfort than some of the other strategies and practices that are, that are out there. So why do you think, because I, because what I see in the kind of the bodybuilding or fitness community, it's you see two types of people, people like yourself and like me. And there's, there's a whole world that kind of takes these skills and disciplines and then leverage them into something greater. But then you see a lot of people like stuck in that bodybuilding world and they're never able to take the disciplines and strategies and apply them to anything else. Why do you think that is? Do you think because with physical training, with bodybuilding, you see, you're seeing the transformation take place in front of your eyes. Whereas like in a business thing, like you got to have faith and you got to like trust knowing, okay, six months a year, I'm not going to see anything. Like, why do you think a lot of people struggle with taking the disciplines from bodybuilding and applying it to another area of their life. I think there's way more uncertainty because you can mm. look in the mirror. If my weight is down, something's probably working or I hadn't had enough water. Something's probably working. When, how do you measure success in a business? Like you have no, if you didn't make money this month, there's nowhere to measure it again. So I think there's way more uncertainty. And this is the other thing too. I think that when it comes to bodybuilding, there's only so much to learn. Yeah, the nutrition part is huge, but what are you doing? You're doing squats, you're doing deadlifts, you're doing bench press, you're doing curls, you're doing shoulders. Like you're doing the same things. It's just, it's a challenge against yourself. I think that's one part. And then I think, and I don't want a blanket statement, but I think a lot of bodybuilders are inherently selfish. I was, right? I didn't care about, look, I don't care what you're eating. I have to have chicken and rice. God forbid I have a slice of whatever it is you're having. I was selfish. Well, I know in, in circles that I was around, like we prided ourselves on that. It literally was a badge of honor. No, I'm more selfish than you right. like type of thing. Like I only do what Frank wants to do. I only eat at this time. I only, tr it is this huge badge of honor, but it's true. Like you, you, you do have to be moderately selfish or sometimes significantly selfish. So yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to make this all about bodybuilding. I just thought there were a few things there that I hadn't really heard you speak on. And I wanted to give it a little bit different perspectives. So here we are, we're 2016. You hit that number six figures, which I'm sure you look back now. It's like foolish. Like, why is this number like a goal? Like six figures, it's, it's like minimum wage almost. But 
So you had this and you're still unsatisfied. So you talked about your first kind of entry point into self-development. Just curious, like who, who were some of the guys that brought you in? Who were some of the first people you really latched onto? Cause I know we always, at, at least getting started, we have a few voices or people that we really latch onto. So who was that for you in those beginning years? Joe Rogan, Joe, Ro- an episode. I was listening in bed to an episode with Joe Rogan and Duncan Trussell. And they were talking about how this is all fake and like how we go to these jobs we hate for a third of our lives and how it's, that's not the only way to do it. And it was literally to me, wait, what? Like you can do something else. That was my first like break in awareness of, okay, there's other things that are out there. People are living the life that I want. I just got to figure out how to do it. That was really the main one. Joe Rogan. I listened to Joe Rogan religiously. I watched every one of his podcasts on YouTube. He just made me think. And then there was the Tony Robbins. Then it was like Brendan Burchard and those people. But I would say Joe Rogan initially, then Tony Robbins, as so many people have learned throughout the years. Yeah. Yeah. I was not surprised with Tony. I was, to be honest, a little shocked that on a personal development question, like Rogan was the one. I definitely know that there is some of that in him. I go to Rogan, like he said, for more of the, the entertainment stuff. Like he just, he's going to take conversations, places, and I know because a lot of times he's like intoxicated, but he'll take it a place that nobody ever thought. And, and he'll do it with these high level intellectuals. It's amazing. Like you got one guy on one side of the table, comedian, stone out of his mind, probably half drunk at the time of recording. Then you got this PhD philosopher, but they're having such an engaging conversations. So that's amazing. So let's unpack what the beginning days of hyperconscious radio or, or hyperconscious podcast was for you, because you talked about, you saw all these people living your dream life. So you knew that possibly it was for you, but it's not like you just wake up one day and say, I'm not going to live my dream life. I know that there was probably some roadblocks and some detours and pivoting in those early stages. So what did the beginning really look like for you with launching the podcast? Where did the hyperconscious name come up from? I know you briefly explained what it means to you, but what were those early days like? And how did you know that you were on the right path for where you're trying to get to? The early days were so exciting because You're so unaware of the things that you don't know that you think everything you're doing is right. In this weird way, like looking back, I thought I had it all figured out. I thought it would be like a year and then I'd be interviewing Joe Rogan. I didn't take my habits very seriously. I just thought I didn't know anything about marketing or branding or sales or any of that. So the early days were very much, I think, trying to fake it till I made it. I think I wanted to be known as a podcaster way before I had the skills of a podcaster. That was part of it. And then the other part of it was I was still working a full-time job. So it was like, there was no necessity for me to get good. Like it was like a nightcap thing. Like I get home on Saturday. I have an interview with one of my friends. I'm drinking Guinness at 10 o'clock in the morning with no shirt on for some reason, because I thought that was a good idea. Honestly, it was me modeling Joe Rogan. Genuinely, that's the early hyper-conscious was me thinking that I could do what Joe Rogan was doing without any of the information and having completely different guests on. So I think I thought I was taking it super seriously, but looking back, it was like a, an elementary pursuit that I was taking on. And then hyperconscious to me, I think so many people lack awareness. They don't know what they love about themselves. They don't know their strengths, their unique weaknesses. They don't know why they think the the ways they think. They don't know what they're really afraid of. They don't know where their insecurities lie. When you start understanding and becoming more aware of those things, you actually become way more in control of your life. So many people that I have seen, that I have coached, that I have had the opportunity to speak with, wake up, they hit snooze, they wake up again, then they go to work, they come home, and then they hide in comfort for the entire night. 
and they rinse and repeat until the weekend comes. And then they do the stuff that they get fulfilled by. I don't think that's any way to live. I don't think you should have to work five days a week at something you hate in order to get to two days where you're already freaking out about the next five days. So to me, it was like, how many people are actually aware that there's another way? And how do I show them the other way? Yeah, I'm going to definitely want to get, I want to get back to that. I want to go back one more time to the transition from working full-time to the podcast. So you were doing both at the beginning, working your full-time gig, and then this was a side gig. Was there a pivotal moment? Was there a moment where you said, I'm jumping out of the airplane without a parachute, I'm going to figure this out? Or had you already gotten the business to a point where it was generating revenue, at least to what you were making full-time? Not even close. No, I literally... My so we had an opportunity. We had an interview with her name's Catherine Nash, Mini But Mighty on Instagram. She's a friend of ours now. We had an interview with her and we hit it off and we became really good friends with her. And she said, Hey, I'm working out because she lived in Massachusetts. I'm working out. Do you guys want to come with me on Thursday? And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Like we get to work out with somebody like her. She's she's super big on Instagram. She's a sweetheart. And my work schedule changed. They told me I was working the day shift. They ended up saying that I had to work the night shift. And I told them no. I said, I'm not coming in. Like you guys told me. I was working the day shift. I have something planned. I can't come in. That was it for me of, you guys don't care. You don't care whether or not I'm happy. You don't care whether or not I'm chasing my dreams. Like You don't care about that at all. So when I quit, I was not making any profit from the podcast. I had no idea how to make a profit from the podcast. Another pivotal moment was Alan and I partnered up. Alan and I went from being a solopreneur to having one of the most entrepreneurial minds that I've ever met in my corner, like overnight. And that's something I'll always harp on. And I always give credit where credit's due. Alan has shaped my life in so many ways. Having a mentor and somebody in the journey with you is so beneficial, especially if their strengths are your weaknesses and vice versa. That was like such an important thing for me. And I don't ever suggest anybody does what I do. Don't leave your job if you don't have any way of income because you'll end up going back and you might feel defeated. You might stop. So don't do that. I, I don't ever suggest that. You could try to get a different job. Nowadays, you can freelance. You can drive for Lyft or Uber. There's so many ways out there to make money, but I wouldn't just quit outright and then assume you're going to make money in two or three months. I think that's it's naive and it's, it can be dangerous for sure. Yeah, I was very fortunate. Back in, in 2013 was my first dip in my foot into entrepreneurship and I was almost forced into it. So I was working with a company that I, I came on board with in a very low paying position but I knew that it was going to grow into something bigger. So I was told that stick us, stick with us three months, six months. We're going to bring you into a partnership here. Year and a half go by. We're doing 7 million annual sales, like just crazy crushing numbers. Get pulled into the office one day and he's like, we're going to go in a different direction. We don't need you here anymore. Luckily, they you know ripped, ripped apart my non-compete. So the industry that I've been working in was something I could just basically just go and pivot and start on my own. But I had zero, nothing. The money that was in the savings account was going to fund the business, but I was very fortunate that month one, we made quite a bit of money. But yeah, that's definitely a scary place to be where like you don't have anything coming in. But yeah, nowadays, Lyft, Uber, Shipt, eBay, Amazon, Facebook marketplace, go garage sailing. Like there's can list off 10 different ways that you can make $2,000 a month, literally working 20 to 30 hours a week. So do that around your, your schedule and then build the business on the side there. So this is amazing. Great stuff here. I want to go from more of the high level into some of the more tactical stuff that we could really give people. So for you, when you were transitioning from what you said, living unconsciously to being aware of a future that you could create for yourself, what were some of the 
call them strategies or tactics or things that you learned through this journey. Maybe you picked up from Alan or, or listening to Rogan's podcast or, or Robin's back in the day or Bouchard. What were some of the real tangible stuff? So let's say we got a guy out there right now. He knows the quotes, like he's following me, he's following you, he's following some of the bigger guys. So his page is literally, if you scroll his Instagram, like it's motivation after motivation, yet he's still, like you said, wakes up, hits the, hits the snooze button, wakes up again, hits the snooze button. Then he like rolls out of bed and then he's screaming at his wife first thing in the morning. And then he's flicking the person off driving, driving to work. And then he's sitting in the cubicle for, for eight hours a day. And basically while he's there, he's on Facebook and Pornhub. 90% of the time and he gets about 10 minutes of work done. Then he drives home, you know, stops at the bar, has a drink before he gets home to get home to only yell at his wife even more, pop himself on the couch for three hours, watch the game, then rolls into bed at one o'clock in the morning, rinse, repeat, recycle. So that's the guy, not that person is listening. He may be listening right now, but you get what I'm saying. So he knows that there is an inspiration out there. He knows he could quote the quote cards, but what does he need to do? And what did Kevin do to pull himself out of that rut? I think he's got to realize that knowledge is merely potential. Like without action, knowledge is, it's a backpack with stuff in it. Like you, you have to use it. You can have all the quotes in the world. Quotes don't pay the bills unless you're an, you know, an author and they do. So I would say a couple of things. Number one, people say all the time, oh, I'm not motivated to go to work. I'm not motivated to do this. I wouldn't be either. It's time to find something that you like better. Again, it doesn't have to be your dream job. Maybe it's not, but we're so focused on like the problem that we're not focused on the solution. Okay. So if this gentleman in this example was not happy with his job, what's one thing that we can do today to move towards happiness? There's no fulfillment there. There's no fulfillment in the things that you're doing. So you don't even feel like you're living a life on purpose. You feel like you're just living a life and you have to disconnect from that. So there's, I've learned so many things. One of the biggest things I've learned is the biggest difference between the person you are and the person you want to be is your habits. Bar nothing. Like show me somebody who's uber successful and I guarantee unless it's some stroke of luck or circumstance, they have extraordinary habits. So I would say this, sit down today. If you're watching this, if you're listening to this, break your life into three, three categories, health, wealth, and love. What is three things that you can do every day that will take you closer to your dream? So I'll take you through some of mine, just as an example. Is it three per category or one in each? Three per category. Yeah. And Honestly, this can get, I have 16 things that I do every day. I have 16 things that I do every single day, Saturday, Sunday, doesn't matter. These are the things that I've decided that I are think most you've added four to that list since the, the last time you talked about this, because I heard you talk about 12. I probably did. Let's yeah. hear the 16. So I have two members of my team who do the podcast stuff, right? So one and two is make sure that they are all set. Post on social media, post on my story, do yoga, do mobility, weight train. Then I have track my finances track podcast listens, daily gratitudes with my girlfriend. All right, hold on. So that's 10. I got six more. What else do I do? Journal. So that's 11. Hold on. Did I say yoga? You did say yoga and mobility. Meditation. Meditation. So that's 12. Prospect. I have to make a connection with somebody at least once a day. I add, I also add to a prospect list, right? So every day I talk to somebody, but I also add somebody that I want to build a relationship with. So that is, I think that's 14. Engage in our private Facebook group. That's 15. And then the one I'm forgetting, I'm going to really be mad at myself for most likely. But there's one more. I don't remember it off the top of my head. So these are for you over the course of a 24-hour day. Do you have a morning routine? Because I think for a lot of guys, it's we start, you talked about it with rolling over and hitting snooze. I feel so many people start 
their day in defense. They start the day behind the eight ball. I coach every one of my guys, like the value in the routine, the morning routine, like we need to set the perspective for how we're going to go view the world. I think that's one of the biggest things somebody can do to change their lives is literally have a series of small victories, accomplishments, and then rewarding yourself for those accomplishments. First thing in the morning, within the first five minutes, I've made, I've gotten up when I said I was going to get up. I've made the bed, brushed my teeth, and I've done something physical literally within the first five minutes of being awake. Physical is like a lot of times it's just plopping down, doing 20, 30, 40 burpees, just to get the blood flowing. But I had those four victories. So within five minutes, I've accomplished four wins, dopamine hit, dopamine, you know, talk about that on the addiction side of things. But out of that, you gave us a 16 in 24 hours. Do you have a set of morning routines that you'd like to follow? So my morning routine has shifted a lot because I've been way more focused on sleep. I was the guy who ran on four or five hours of sleep religiously for years. And then I realized what that was doing to the long-term brain functioning and all the risks that I was putting myself toward. So I've switched that, but my most bulletproof morning routine that I ever had, and I've shifted a little bit of it, but up at 4am in the living room with my AirPods in and a book playing at 405 on the ground, doing foam rolling and mobility for 35 to 40 minutes. I would journal things. I wouldn't look at my phone until I got back. So those were the first like four to five things that I did. Now it's a little bit different. I do yoga in the morning because my mobility has been a little bit off. I always lift first thing in the morning. I'm always listening to some something but it's not as rigid as it was. Because for me, for an example tonight, I have Alan and I are on a call with one of our mentors until 7 p.m. I'm not going to get home until 7.30 or 8. I want to spend time with my girlfriend. So if I'm sleeping from 9 to 4, that doesn't leave much time for me to connect with my girlfriend. So for instance, I might sleep until a little bit later tomorrow and then run it. So for me, and this is something that I always tell people, I want you to be rigid when it comes to your discipline and consistency but you should be flexible to make sure it actually fits into your life and it's sustainable. The best workout, the best routine, the best diet is the one that you can stick to sustainably and it gets you the results that you want. Yeah. Flu- fluidity in your routine was something Jake, Jake Kelfer talked about on the, the last episode. And I have done this for, for years now. I'd never heard it framed in the context that he said it, but yeah, it's understand, have your vision, have your goals for your going. And then it should be a reverse engineering process that gets you back down to your habits and routines. It should never be, let me build my routine and days and habits and then hope that it gets me to my goal. It should actually work in, in the reverse way. I hear you talk a lot about why power. This is one of your big terminologies that, that you use and, and, and talk about a bit. Can you talk to us about what why power means to you and, and how you build that into your business, into your coaching as well? Yeah. So I always use this example on stage. People talk about motivation. I talk about why power. They're different for a couple of reasons. Number one, if I walk up to you, Frank, and I say, there's a $20 bill in that building over there, that building's on fire. You're most likely not going to be very motivated to go into that building for $20. But if I walk up to you and grab you by the shoulder and say, Frank, your family, they're in that building over there. It's not, you're not motivated. You're inspired. That's Mm. your family is your why power. You'll do anything for them. I always use that example because it's hard to motivate yourself to do things that you hate. That's why so many people are struggling. It's not about motivation. It's about alignment. You're not aligned with what you want. So you're, there's too much resistance. Okay. So I always say that for me, it's my girlfriend is one of my biggest why powers. I tear up every time I talk about her. I will do it here. I'm sure the fact that she believes in me as much as she does, the fact that she supports this, the fact that she understands why I'm tired and why 
I don't do a lot of things that like regular people do. I don't have time. I'm busy. I'm doing all these things. She understands that I get up at 4am and wake her up every time I get up. I, I can't fail with her in my corner. I can't fail. I won't, I'll die before I fail. And I mean that I'm not saying that to with ego. I will die before I fail this. She is one of my main why powers. I want to give her the best life possible. She doesn't expect it. She doesn't even want it, but I want that for her. And the other thing is when you get messages on your phone from people who say, Hey, your podcast changed my life or your coaching changed my life. There's no going back from that. That is all the why power I need. The fact that a kid from a small town in Massachusetts who had no idea what he wanted to do with his life is impacting people in, at this point, 50 or 60 countries. Like Sometimes I have to pinch myself, Frank, and say, wow, this is my life. That right there, that's why power. I never have to go punch a clock again as long as I do this. That's why power. That's why power. That's amazing. What's your girl's name? Taryn. Taryn, you got to keep her. That's powerful stuff that you shared with her. On the message, the testimonial or review or people reaching out to you, I was just interviewed literally right before we hopped on here. I was being interviewed by somebody else and he asked me a very similar question, but do you have a, a testimonial or review or something that's reached out like that really sticks out to you that you could share with us? Maybe not the exact details or how you met this person or how they found you and just share with us like one of those real impactful yeah, stories. Yeah. A young lady left one the other day and is as impactful as the review is, it's her story. It's like the, the reviews are great, but the DMs you get from people saying, I left an abusive relationship. I was literally sleeping on a mattress on the floor with an abusive boyfriend who wouldn't let me leave the house. And now she's single and has her own business and is crushing it. Like she basically said that I have never met two more down to earth, genuine men that are not only genuine in front of the public eye, but genuine behind the scenes. And they genuinely want what's best for other people. They're selfless and they do everything with love. I had the benefit of coaching this young lady for a while. And it's, I think Frank, a lot of people want to be successful. And I love that. I love that. But Alan and I, from the beginning of this journey said character over everything character over everything. I won't interview you if I don't like your character. I won't coach you if I don't like your character. You won't speak on our stages. You won't be in our community. For me, it's character over everything because the closer you get to somebody, the closer you get to the truth. More about me now than you did when you researched me. I could have been BSing all those interviews, but when this goes off and, and we're not recording anymore and nothing about me changes, you'll know, oh, he does have the character that he says that is, I don't ever want somebody to meet me and be disappointed. I don't ever want somebody to say, oh, I thought he was going to be like this in person ever. I, that is like my nightmare. Wow. Wow. And just hearing you, you know, talk about this, I, I think so many times, cause I've lived in this kind of space and like I've been consuming, there's a couple hundred books behind me. I've read, I don't know, close to 500 books uh, in the last 10 years and podcasts. I'm just like you, I was a connoisseur before I got into to the business and, and into the game. But it's I've spent my life like living in this. That it like to me this is normal. So when I have conversations with people that don't know me from the podcast or maybe aren't in one of my influencer circles or not in one of the masterminds that I'm in, and we start talking about just daily routines and just stuff that I enjoy, I'll talk about it at McDonald's with somebody about oh what's your morning routine, and they're like what are you talking about? I think I take it for granted because. Like my life is being surrounded by people just like you, but yeah, I do this for exact same reason. Like I motivated hell of a lot of people through Frank Rich Fitness, which was started in late 2015. I and mean, we've transformed thousands and thousands of guys' lives, bigger biceps, shredded abs, contests, bodybuilding, you know, competitions, trophies, all this stuff. Like I was motivating these guys to change the way they 
looked, but I was using motives. I was using tactics and strategies to help push them through the pain where you talked about the inspiration. Like now I'm living in the spirit. Who I am right here talking with you is the exact same person I'm going to have when I'm having a conversation at the gym. There's no difference in the way that I operate because I'm living through the spirit. I'm, I'm inspired to now create a superhuman life. I'm inspired to help other people create their own superhuman lives. So I love the way you broke down the difference between motivation and, and inspiration there as well. I've heard you talk about this quite a bit and, and I, I wanted to make sure I at least get your story from it because you shared it willingly on handful of other podcasts. So I wouldn't do justice to our audience if I didn't address it here with the fact that our mission is driven to help men break free from porn addiction. So you've talked about it. You've talked about your journey, your struggle. A, why did you bring it up numerous times without it ever being asked? What have you noticed in your life? How has it changed and transformed once you were able to remove porn from your life as well? So one of the reasons I bring it up willingly is because I don't think most people have the, I don't want to say guts, but it's a very rare question. Look, what's the joke of billions of people watch porn, but I've just never met, I've never met another guy who does because everybody hides it. Mm. Everybody hides it. So, okay, I guess you're another guy who doesn't watch it. So one of the reasons was this, as the cell phones become more and more widespread, two things happen. You have easier access to porn. You also have easier access to erectile dysfunction pills. Porn and erectile dysfunction go hand in hand. That when I saw that and realized you don't even need a prescription anymore, you can go on one of these apps, get it discreetly shipped to your house, and you don't have to stop the problem. Then in my mind, it was like, I want to be the guy who talks about this because I know not a lot of guys are vulnerable enough to do it. And it uh, like it wrecked a lot of my life. It wrecked a lot of my life. When you're 16 years old and you can't have sex with your girlfriend, that's not good. That's not, maybe 18, not, not 16, but 18. That's not normal. That doesn't feel good. You're wondering what's wrong with you. So for me, I just wanted to be, I want to be transparent and I want to be authentic. And I want, when you're vulnerable, it allows other people to talk to you at the same level. They realize, oh, that's okay here. It goes from, this is my problem to this is something that we share together and we can get through together. And somebody has to break the ice. And I think I'm just comfortable with it because I've done, 500, no, almost 600 podcasts at this point between ours and being on others. So it was like, look, I own this because I want to help. The same reason I talk about suicide. Yeah, that sucks. That's, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of that. But I do think that it's something that needs to be talked about more. And until people start talking about it more, it's not going to, it's not going to happen. Amen, brother. It's, it's exactly why I do what I do. You know what you said there, like billions of men are addicted, but you've never met another man that's addicted to porn. I talk about this quite a bit. And there's the three A's of pornography that make it so difficult with as far as curing the addiction. It's accessible. You talked about it's literally in our pocket 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's affordable. 90% of porn these days is free. And I don't understand the ones that actually pay for it, but then it's anonymous. And that's where you talked about it. No other addiction in the world are you literally going to do by yourself, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're an alcoholic, you're drinking in bars, you're drinking with other people. If you're a drug addict, you got to go buy the drugs from another person. And then a lot of times you're doing it with somebody else. If you're a gambling addict, yeah, you may be gambling at home, but I most, I think most gambling addicts are in the casino pulling the slot machine, watching the things spin. If you're shopping 
you, I guess you could shop online by, by yourself. So maybe that's another one, but yeah, it's, it's this addiction that just lives in isolation. And the more you stay isolated and the more that you live in the isolation and more you live in the guilt and shame and don't have the conversations, the more it just feeds and grows and grows. And then it's like, you just layer shame on top of shame on top of shame, never getting out of it. So, brother, I appreciate you for, for talking about it on other podcasts. Cause I think that is where it needs to start. We need to see men that have their lives together that have physiques have businesses are doing amazing things but then can say you know what at one point this had its hands wrapped around me because it is bigger than me and we need to have the conversations about it so i just really do like i said i appreciate you for being open and, and talking about that so important it's so important i didn't know i was addicted I thought it was normal because it's taught every guy is doing this. It's right. taught, oh, where do you want to go learn about sex? Just go watch this. Yeah. For me, with the mission that I'm on and really the battle I'm, I'm going to be fighting for the next 37 years of my life, like I'm facing something that society is saying it's just okay. It's a part of life, it's a part of society. And I'm sitting there telling you, no, it's destroying brains, it's destroying men, it's destroying relationships. And when you add all three of those together, it's destroying the world. But yeah, that 18 years old dude with erectile dysfunction, like I, when I started to hear some of the statistics, I was in my 30s when I really started to wrap my head around it. But hearing that there's boys and young men out there that are struggling with this, it's like, we got to fix this. We got to have the conversations. I got to continue to do the work that, that I'm doing because it's scary. And then what it does to minds, young minds as well, how it literally re, rewires and reshapes the way we view and, and, and see the world. So appreciate you again, man, for opening up um, about that. So you guys are approaching 500 episodes with Next Level University, which was Hyperconscious Radio. Then you talked again about maybe another 100 episodes or so. What are maybe top three, top five lessons, takeaways from your show? Maybe some highlights, guests, or just in general, what are some of the, the biggest takeaways that you've gotten from doing this thing 500, 500 episodes? So we've had some amazing guests on. I think the biggest lesson that I've learned from guests is adversity is guaranteed. What you do with it is not. Anthony Trucks, former NFL player, uh, Ninja Warrior, literally had to chase chickens and he slept in a chicken coop and licked the bottom of people's shoes until his tongue bled. And now he is one of the best speakers in the world. One of the yeah, best. I got coaches. Anthony coming on next week. He's such a great dude, man. But he, and genuinely, we've spent time with him behind the scenes. Like he was in our hotel room for an interview, we went to In-N-Out Burger with him. Great guy. Like he's the same guy that you see on stage, mm. right? Like that. And Honestly, like a negative side, a lot of people aren't who they say they are. We've had people on the show that portray themselves as something. And when you get them going, they're not the same person and their character. I'll just put it this way. When it comes to social media, perception matters way more than character. It just does. And that's something that we've learned. Now, we haven't had that happen often. We've learned our lesson enough to make sure that we vet our guests and we have to have a genuine pull. But that has been very Something that something we're aware of for sure. And then I would say in terms of our show, honestly, I think you can get good at anything. I think you can get good at anything if you set your mind to it, you spend enough time. When I started this, I didn't anticipate doing 500 episodes. I didn't know we'd be interviewing the people or mentored by David Meltzer and Evan Carmichael. That's my, those are my mentors. That's mind blowing to me. So even more than just the podcast, if you start a train, whether that's a train of positive impact or change or influence or whatever it may be, and you keep that train rolling, you have no idea what your life's going to look like. You can't. You're not aware enough to understand what your life will look like. Again, five years ago, I had never read a book on personal development. Now people interview me so I can talk about it. That's only five years. And like, I wasn't taking it seriously all five. 
right? Maybe the last three years, I've been real serious about it. Things can change. Just going back to the quote you said at the beginning, 10 years is a long time. That is a long time. You can be a completely different person in a completely different place. And for me, the podcast shows that 500 reps, right? 500 reps of speaking, of interviewing, of coming up with topics. If you think I'm a relatively good speaker, that's why I just have more reps than other people do. That's like a giant takeaway. The people who do it the longest usually become the best. The problem is you don't see them when they suck. You were, you were gifted with a little bit of a, of a voice, if anything, but yeah, everything else you said you've developed yeah. time. Dude, I think that really just brings the entire conversation back together because at the beginning you said, the fact that I'm sitting here, let's show that you can too. And my life is a very similar example and, and story to this. I was the unconfident, insecure, out of weight kid that didn't like to talk to people. Now I make a living helping people transform their lives through fitness, talking, on podcasts and videos for, <laughs> that's basically my job. I flip a camera on and I talk. I flip a headset on and I talk. I have calls where I talk, but I was a kid that like when I was in a room with people, like I was the one that sat in the corner, didn't want to say anything. But as I started to dive into the things that were bothering me, you talked about that, like facing your fears, facing your darkness. As I began to dive into those things, I realized that like my true happiness, my true fulfillment came on the other side of all those challenges that I had to face and overcome. So this has been incredibly inspiring, brother. I appreciate you so much. We're going to wrap it up here in a minute, but I want to give you the opportunity to direct people to you, to the podcast, to the site, to the coaching, all the different things. So where's Kevin and Alan hanging out that's most? And, and where do people, if they want to get more of you, where can they find you? The best place to get me is on Instagram at neverquitkid. That is the best place. I, I respond to all my DMs. And then Next Level University, we're on every platform that you can imagine. We have a YouTube channel that has every single one of our videos. We do five episodes a week and we are planning on doing this forever until, until I'm in a wheelchair and I have to wheel myself around with a microphone. This is something that we're committed to doing. Like we want to change the world. And this is something that we're going to do consistently. If you're looking for mindset or business coaching, we do that as well. And Alan and I just rolled out a new program called Next Level Podcast Solutions, where we help people actually make money and turn their podcasts into businesses. Again, we didn't really have a business model to follow when we started this. And we've been doing this for three and a half, four years now. And now our well, now our podcast is our business. This is our job. This is what we do. And we want to help other people create the opportunity to do that as well. Maybe not a perfect question for the podcast, but just curious person. I could have asked you this offline, but your guys' podcasting business model, is this going to be more front-end lead generation to where you sell other services on the back end? You're actually monetizing the podcast from a advertising promotional standpoint. So we do, it's more for us, it's more lead gen. You can do it with ads, but honestly, and I've said this since the beginning, I don't want to do it that way. I don't want to do it. The lifetime value of a client is way more valuable than most of the people are going to give you in terms of ads and the so other true. thing. And you build, this is what happens. You build relationships with your listeners by talking to them one-on-one. -on -one. They tell people about their show and you get way more listeners and you're able to impact more people, change more lives and make more money. It's a win-win-win. People don't listen to ads. They don't. Yeah, most of the most of the stuff being pirated out there. It's like it's same. You know, ten products on you know a thousand different podcasts. So you've heard it once. You've heard it you know a thousand times. You talked about doing this forever. Just curious with with you as a Joe Rogan fan. You may be at the point like forty years in the future where you guys just have little chips in your brain, and then all your listeners download another little chip, and then they just get your thoughts as you think them. You don't even need to record it anymore. <laughs> Every morning I write at least five thousand episodes. At least we're going to hit at least 5,000 episodes of the show. 
Got and that's a whole nother thing. If we ever do it again, I'll, we'll go through the journaling. I have relationship check-ins and habits that'll benefit people. So we just scratched the, the surface today. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to get, we'll have to get Alan on and then maybe we'll, we'll get you guys back on for a dual episode, maybe make this kind of like a big trilogy of episodes, but Guys, we're going to plug in the podcast. We're going to plug in the the Instagram at the Never Quit Kid. I just started following him not too long ago because we connected for this, putting out amazing content. You heard the energy here today. You heard you heard the content, the value. So it's the same stuff over there. Alan, man, I just want to acknowledge you, man, for everything that you're doing, for taking that leap three years ago, realizing that there was a bigger purpose in your life, that there were bigger dreams and goals that you could aspire. The world is a better place because of those moments. And although you had to face some darkness, like we are all grateful that you were able to get through that. And we're extremely grateful for Alan for being that mentor early on for you. We always wrap up every single interview with one final question. I know I shared a little bit with you about the genesis of this podcast, how it was really a result of my own transformation, me overcoming quite a bit of adversity and really facing the darkest demon in my life. And then overcoming that, I, I felt compelled to share this story with the world. But for me, I always talk about Superman life as more of a, a belief system than anything else. So we didn't talk about it here, but I am a man of faith and my faith is number one in my life. And it wasn't until I was 35 did that really come in into fruition for me? So for me, living a superhuman life is understanding that I was created for a purpose and then taking every single day to bring me closer to, to living out and fulfilling that purpose. That's what I mean when I talk about living a superhuman life. But I always like to get the guest perspective and, and take on it. So how would Kevin define living a superhuman life? Easily become the best version of yourself. That's it. When it comes to health, wealth, and love, if you can rest your head every day, and say, I did the best I could. I, I left it all out there. And tomorrow I plan on bettering my best. That to me, that's how you become a, a true superhuman. Awesome. Incredible guys. You heard it here. Health, wealth, and love. Get yourself a series of things that you can accomplish on a daily basis to help take you out of living unconsciously to living a next level life of hyper-consciousness. Kevin, we appreciate your brother. Love you so much. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't done so yet and you want to help us grow this mission and grow this show, you can help us in two different ways. First off, if you're new and you haven't done so yet, make sure to hit that subscribe button and also leave us a five-star rating and review right there on Apple, whatever podcast platform you are listening to. And secondly, guys, we need your help in growing this and getting this podcast into more people's ears and eyes. So if there's somebody in your life that could benefit from Kevin's story or any of the stories that we've had on this show, Make sure to share this episode with them. But that's it, guys. For Kevin from Next Level University, Frank Rich, we love you guys. We'll see you next week.